You're listening to a special broadcast of Civic. This is Mayor London Breed and other city officials from the Department of Emergency Services at the Moscone Center on Monday, March 23rd, telling us about the latest issues of concern to city residents. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm San Francisco Mayor London Breed, and I'm joined today uh, by a number of uh, people uh, for our first uh, virtual press conference uh, so that we can uh, demonstrate by example social distancing uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, I'm here with uh, Supervisors uh, Catherine Stephanie and Supervisor Aaron Peskin, uh, as well as the Director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Grant Colfax, Department of Emergency Management, Mary Ellen Carroll, uh, Department of Human Resources, Trent Rohr, as well as our Police Chief, Bill Scott. Uh, as of today, here in San Francisco, we have 131 confirmed cases, uh, and we are uh, doing everything we can to provide that update on a regular basis. Uh, I'm really uh, proud of the work that the Department of Public Health has been doing uh, to make sure that our hospitals have the capacity uh, and the support that they need uh, to help people um, who potentially need hospitalization during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, just this past weekend, we were able to hire 82 nurses uh, since we issued the directive, we were able to move uh, forward rapidly, and so I'm grateful uh, to those who hosted uh, the job fair and worked to make this happen as quickly as possible. Uh, we also have an update on our PPE, which we hear a lot of conversations about. Uh, and I want to be clear, uh, this is a problem all over the country. Uh, there have been real challenges for hospitals everywhere to get access to PPE. It is the thing that we need most in order to protect not only the people who are at the hospitals taking care of patients, but to also make sure that our first responders have the support and the equipment that they need. Uh, today, the state has provided us with one million masks for our frontline healthcare workers. That's our first responders, our paramedics, our firefighters, our police officers. Uh, Facebook has provided us with 100,000 masks and 400,000 gloves. And thanks to the leadership of Supervisor Catherine Stephic. Stephanie, working with uh, the private sector, uh, Flexport has provided 60,000 masks, 34,000 gloves, and 2,000 surgical gowns and 50 thermometers. Uh, this, uh, this has been really so many people, not only in the private sector, but others who have been stepping up to make sure um, that we have what we need as it relates to hospital beds, as it relates to personal protective equipment, as it relates to keeping people safe during this coronavirus pandemic. Um, I also want to just put out a, um, a call to manufacturers um, all over the state and all over the country. I know we've been hearing uh, a lot about the need for the president to provide and a directive to companies to switch uh, their daily course of business uh, to producing uh, PPE if they have the resources to do so. Even in San Francisco, we've seen distilleries switch from making uh, beer to making hand sanitizer. And Mayor uh, Garcetti, Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles, 
has been working with the garment factories and others to uh, shift the work that they do in order to provide PPE for uh, their hospital system there. And I want to put out a call to those who have the resources and have the ability to help make a transition to provide this much-needed equipment to seriously consider doing so and reaching out to our state and, and local officials to provide the resources we so desperately need. In the meantime, I really want to thank all of those folks who have stepped up to make sure that we are uh, prepared uh, for what we know is coming our way. And uh, in that spirit, I want to just reiterate, we have 131 new cases in San Francisco. And after issuing this directive about a week ago, uh, for the most part, I'm really, really grateful to so many San Franciscans who have complied with the order, who are out going to the grocery stores and keeping that social distancing of six feet, uh, the people who are walking down the streets and walking alone and maybe taking a jog and moving out of the way of other folks, uh, folks who are walking their dogs and, and, and complying. Uh, but sadly, in some of our parks and in some in, in, along our beaches, uh, we have noticed uh, that there are a lot of people who have taken this opportunity to bring friends together to have picnics. And this is not what this is about. We, for the purpose of public safety, we need people to comply. We are closing all playgrounds, but what I don't want to do is close our parks because I want people to have access to recreational support. But I want people to comply with the order. This is very, very serious. Now, I don't have control over the federal beaches and the state beaches, uh, but I, again, am hopeful that people will be mindful of the need to socially distance from one another so that folks can enjoy the fresh air and to get outside and exercise and do the things we know they want to do. But if things continue in the way that we saw them happen over the weekend, we will have no choice but to close our park system, to work on other mitigating uh, suggestions that we need to do in order to ensure that people are not allowed to use these spaces. It's really the last thing that I want to do, so I want to ask, I want to plead to the people of our city to comply with the order. The folks who are out on the streets having drinking parties, the folks who are out on the streets socializing and coming together and not taking this social distancing requirement seriously, you are putting lives at stake. You are putting public health in jeopardy. This is important, it's serious, and ultimately our goal in preparing is to make sure that our hospitals have the capacity, have what they need to prepare for what we know is coming. It's not a matter of whether or not we're gonna have more people get sick, they are. And what happens if it's your grandmother? What happens if it's your uncle? And what happens if we don't have a bed for them to be in because they got sick? We don't wanna get to that point. And so the reason why I'm appealing to the public to ask for your support in complying with this order is because it is a matter of life or death. This is not the time for a party, for a play date, for uh, things that people think that we need to do. This is a get outside, get some fresh air, practice social distancing, and be respectful of your neighbors and one another. Um, I also wanna take this opportunity uh, to talk just a little bit about what we know 
um, are going to be some very serious challenges, especially people who we know are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, so some of those folks in the restaurant industry who've gotten laid off, people in the hotels and other places, people of our immigrant populations who may not qualify for benefits, so many folks who are struggling. Yes, we put a moratorium on commercial and uh, residential evictions, and yes, your water and power won't get shut off, but at the end of the day, we know that people need food, we know they have basic needs, and we want to make sure that money is not a barrier to those needs. Uh, last week, we set up a fund, give2sf.org, and I, I'm proud to report, thanks to members of the private sector, like Salesforce, the Hellman Foundation, Ann and Gordon Getty, and so many others, we are now well above $5 million in that fund that we will make available to San Franciscans to provide much-needed financial support during this pandemic. And I want to thank all of the contributors for their steadfast support, their willingness to contribute, uh, because it will be needed. Uh, I also want to mention that today um, we announced a arts relief fund of $2.5 million to help working artists and cultural organizations uh, we know that, for example, someone who makes a living as an artist may be performing on a regular basis at places like, you know, our hotels or, or, or our restaurants, that this is going to be a very difficult time for them as well. And so we have uh, provided this fund so that we can work with artists and arts organizations to get them through this hump. We have to make sure um, that we are dealing with this um, pandemic in a way that also um, makes sure that we're supporting and helping other residents who we know need it the most, and the arts plays a critical role to the success and the vibrancy of our city. Um, I want to provide also a update on the hotel, um, on the hotels that we've been able to uh, work with. Last week I had an opportunity to meet with members from the Hotel Council to talk about ways in which they uh, could provide assistance. We put out a request for proposals and received um, over eight, over 8,000 hotel rooms that could potentially be available to us uh, to support um, people uh, who are living in single-room occupancy hotels who may need uh, to shelter separately our first responders and other folks who are working on the front line who may not be able to go home to their loved ones. And right now, we are working with the CDC to make sure that the request that we received uh, from the hotel providers, that it meets the guidelines and the standards as the CDC is providing. And, and I want to be clear that even though we may have access to these rooms, we may not be able to use them all. Uh, and Trent Rohr will talk a little bit about what this means and how um, this is going to help in this pandemic. And in more particularly, um, we are grateful to so many of the hotels who have really stepped up to the plate uh, to help support uh, San Franciscans. Uh, and so with that, um, that is just the most recent update. There's definitely been a lot going on in San Francisco and all over the country, including right here at Moscone South. The Emergency Operations Center has been in full effect, working overtime, uh, coordination with hospitals, 
coordination with state and federal uh, government, coordination with all the things that we need to do to prepare for what we know is to come. Again, I ask San Franciscans to please cooperate with the order. This is serious. Um, I know it's been very difficult uh, for people to basically, you know, stay in the house and, and, and follow this order, but just imagine those people who don't even have a home to be able to shelter in place in. That's something we're working on as well with the hotel rooms that we've been able to acquire, but this is gonna take all of us. This is gonna take all of us coming together and sacrificing so that we get through this. So I appreciate your cooperation, and I hope that we can continue to allow the parks and other areas where people need fresh air and space to remain uh, open. Uh, we will uh, be moving uh, in a more aggressive direction to address social distancing uh, moving forward, uh, because ultimately our goal is to protect public health and public safety. Uh, with that, I want to take this opportunity to introduce Dr. Grant Colfax to provide a health update. Thank you, Mayor. Good afternoon. I am Dr. Grant Colfax, Director of Health. A week ago today, Mayor Breed and surrounding Bay Area counties announced an unprecedented order that residents must stay at home in order to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Since then, many other counties and the state of California have issued the same instructions as have multiple places across the country. We are all in this together and we must all do our part. Today, San, Franciscans, San Francisco has over 100 confirmed cases of coronavirus. On March 5th, we had two. So we know the numbers are rising rapidly. We also know that the confirmed case count is not a true picture of the spread of the virus in the community. This is why we must, this is why we must stay vigilant and recommit ourselves to staying home and leaving the house only for essential reasons. The health of your family, of your community, of our community depends on it. I simply cannot emphasize this enough. The mayor has said, this is not a snow day. And she is exactly right. It is not a time for outings, gatherings at home, or any occasions that raise your risk of being exposed or transmitting the virus. We need to slow it, and we need to slow it way down. I know there is disruption, inconvenience, and real hardship. I want to thank all San Franciscans, and especially the healthcare workers and first responders and other essential workers who continue to protect our community every day. However, I am sad to have to say that the worst is yet to come. Every community where the virus has taken hold has seen a surge in coronavirus patients who need to be hospitalized. 
We expect that to happen in San Francisco soon, in a week or two, or perhaps even less. Our goal now, our urgent goal now, is for fewer people to get sick at once. And once we reduce the likelihood, and in doing that, we reduce the likelihood that our healthcare system gets overwhelmed. We all must do our part. Every step of the way, we have followed science, data, and facts. We stand a chance of decreasing the number of patients who need hospital care if we come together and these interventions are successful. That is why my department has issued 11 health orders in 13 days since we had our first confirmed cases. Every single one of these orders is intended to slow the spread of the virus, protect vulnerable populations, protect healthcare workers and first responders, and decompress the hospital system so it is as ready as it can be for the people who need it most. The situation has and will continue to evolve rapidly. Today, we want to assure San Franciscans that hospitals in the city are working together in a unified plan to prepare for the surge. Our first task is to decompress the hospital and healthcare system as much as possible. All San Franciscans and Bay Area residents are ordered to stay at home. This is key. It doesn't make sense for us to go outside except under essential circumstances. And we've said, you can go out for a walk, to walk your dog or with a close family member, but this is not the time to engage in full-born recreational activities. I have received a lot of questions about, close, about why don't we close JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park. It simply doesn't make sense. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Lives are at risk. We want people to stay home as much as possible and only go out for essential needs like grocery shopping. It does not make sense for us to close down streets to vehicular traffic. I understand people need to get out to get fresh air, but closing a street will encourage people to congregate in that area, which is counter to our public health goals. There are plenty of spaces in our city for people to get the exercise they require while maintaining adequate distance. We must continue to focus on social distancing and slowing the spread of the coronavirus. We are taking other key steps to prepare for the surge. We are restricting the surge in hospitals. We are restricting visitors to hospitals, long-term care facilities, and residential facilities to protect the health of the most vulnerable populations. We have canceled or postponed elective surgeries and routine medical, and routine medical appointments moving services to telephone and video conferences as appropriate and whenever possible to reduce the volume of patients in the healthcare system. We are providing childcare for healthcare workers at hospitals and clinics across the city to make it easier for them to continue working during the order to shelter in place. 
We are providing places outside the hospital for people with suspected or confirmed cases of coronavirus to remain safe and isolated, to free up hospital beds. We are ordering, we have ordered, enhanced cleaning of SROs, expanded shelter hours, and more meals served to shelters and navigation centers to improve the health and safety of vulnerable populations and to reduce hospitalizations. And as the mayor mentioned, we are scaling up staffing. Our hiring this week weekend was unprecedented with over 80 nurses offered jobs on the spot. And we will continue to need as many nurses as we can get. We are also preparing for an increased demand for necessary supplies. And let me be clear, with regard to supplies and personal protective equipment, or PPE, every healthcare provider in the city, from hospital CEOs to doctors, nurses, and frontline workers, wants there to be enough PPE for patients and healthcare staff who need it. Although PPE is in short supply everywhere, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, across the nation, today we have enough. However, I am very concerned that will change when we get to a surge of coronavirus patients, and we are working on multiple fronts to get more supplies. That includes state and federal advocacy, and the governor has obtained millions of supplies, millions of supplies for California hospitals. We also greatly appreciate large donations like the one that Supervisor Stephanie organized last week. Our top priority is the health of our patients, our community, and the people who care for them. In this challenging moment, we must remember our identity. We are a city of compassion and empathy in response to disease, as we have proved collectively throughout our history. I encourage everyone to support those who may be fighting this virus, who may be isolated at home, or who may be waiting for test results. This is our time to stay apart while we stand together as San Franciscans. Thank you. You're listening to a special broadcast of the Department of Emergency Management on Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. This is KSFP LP San Francisco. Good afternoon. I'm Trent Rohr. I'm the city's director of the Human Services Agency. The Human Services Agency is the lead city agency uh, under this pandemic to provide shelter, care, and housing uh, for our response. Um, we uh, activated our department operations center two weeks ago today, knowing that we had a large task in front of us to set up a system to allow us to respond to this in the most effective and compassionate way possible. We have two main efforts going in terms of providing housing and support to those who need it under COVID. The first is, uh, as Mayor Breed said, uh, and thanks to her leadership in meeting with the Hotel Council, as well as the leadership of Supervisor Peskin, uh, who has been instrumental in helping us secure hotel rooms. We have received responses from over 31 hotels, totaling over 8,000 rooms to provide 
quarantine space and other rooms as needed. I'll walk through the list of priority populations for those hotel rooms uh, in the following way. The first group uh, is to provide quarantine rooms for individuals whose current housing situation does not allow them to self-quarantine. Now these are principally individuals who live in the single room occupancy hotels where they share bathrooms, they share eating facilities and kitchens. The second group are individuals who are living in our homeless shelter system. And then the third, of course, uh, are individuals who are living in other congregate settings, such as Laguna Honda and others, where, where they cannot quarantine. In terms of the numbers of population we're looking at, for the SRO population in San Francisco, there are about 19,000 individuals living in these rooms. Our shelter system has about 2,000 single adults. And in addition, there are about 8,000 homeless individuals on the street who we may need to provide hotel rooms for as well. With respect to that last population, the, the homeless who are on the street or in our shelters, the number one priority now, as Dr. Colfax said, is to provide a quarantine for those individuals who are currently in our hospital and waiting for a, a test result for COVID. These are individuals who do not need to be hospitalized based on their medical needs, but are in the hospital because they will not be released to the street. They must be re released to quarantine rooms. To that end, we have secured 310 rooms to date to support this population and will begin uh, activating the large portion of those tomorrow morning. We currently have 60 rooms under lease and only about 15 of those are occupied. So we can certainly manage the needs for our hospital system now. The second group of individuals are seniors who are living in the city's long-term care facilities, principally Laguna Honda Hospital, but other long-term care facilities. To the extent these individuals can self-care with a mild or, or medium level of support, we want to put them in hotel rooms to ensure that they don't contact, uh, contract the, the virus. In addition, it's critical that we provide support to our first responders. Some of the hotel rooms will be dedicated to our first responders. These are health workers on the front lines, whether they need them uh, in order to remain in the city and not go back uh, to their homes and communities and potentially get infected or spread infection. And also, if our frontline healthcare workers need to be quarantined, we have rooms for them as well. We also are activating a shelter plan uh, in addition to the hotel rooms that we're securing. Now the shelter is gonna be targeted to um, individuals who are in a high risk um, category, but cannot self care. And what we're calling these are, uh, it's an integrated care shelter, which is really uh, a shelter that provides uh, health support, uh, other needs that are critical to this population and that simply can't be provided within a hotel room. The shelters will also be used to uh, decrease the population that are currently in our homeless shelter system in order to effectuate the social, di social distancing we need in those shelters. We need to ensure six feet of separation across the 2,000 beds we have in our system. Those individuals will be placed in one of our uh, shelters that we're setting up. We currently have uh, Moscone North, which will be activated uh, within 24 to 48 hours. That will be our integrated care shelter. We are assessing a second site that will serve as our shelter principally to reduce the census in our homeless shelter system. 
as, I, as the mayor said, we have about uh, over 8,000 hotel, hotel rooms that uh, came forward through our uh, request for quote process. Um, we estimate for all the populations that I just walked through that we will need between 4,000 and 4,500 rooms. It will take uh, assessment teams to look at each hotel. This is a health, uh, health inspector assessment, my staff assessment, and then we'll enter into negotiations with each of the hotels to provide the rooms that we need. As I said earlier, uh, by the end of today, we will have a total of 320 rooms. Uh, we anticipate needing several hundred more over the next few days and anticipate those being able to come online. Again, I can't stress enough the leadership of Mayor Breed, Supervisor Peskin, and really the, the partnership and the compassion that the hotel owners, the hotel council have showed by stepping up and offering uh, a significant number of rooms that we are confident will help us meet our needs. Thanks. Thank you, Mayor Breed. Uh, and thank you to Dr. Colfax for your extraordinary work over the last many days. My name is Aaron Peskin. I'm a member of the Board of Supervisors, uh, joined in this room by my colleague, Supervisor Catherine Stephanie. The Board of Supervisors has had a full-time presence here at the Emergency Operations Center uh, since last week uh, and will continue to do so through the duration of this event. Um, and the Board of Supervisors will continue to meet virtually our first ever virtual board meeting will take place tomorrow. Um, public comment is, as always, encouraged. Uh, you can watch this on sfgovtv.org, where it will be live streamed. Members of the public can participate in the democratic process by calling in questions or public comment at 415-554-5184. And for more information, you can always go to the Board of Supervisors website at sfbos.org, and I would like every member of the public to know uh, that there is incredible, constantly updated information at sf.gov, that's sf.gov, all of the questions that have been coming to us here, what is an essential business, uh, what about moratoriums on evictions, uh, and other information is all set forth at sf.gov. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Supervisor Peskin, and thank you, everyone, for being here. Now uh, we want to take this opportunity uh, to open it up to questions. And I also, maybe, uh, Chief Scott, you want to provide an update about what was happening um, in the city and what your plans are with the uh, officers moving forward. Uh, and then we'll get into some questions. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening or good afternoon. San Francisco Police Department continues its patrol efforts, and we are still focused on spreading the message of social distancing. We've had some challenges, but overall, San Franciscans are adhering to the public health order. Our businesses have been absolutely outstanding in compliance, and I'm not saying that I can speak for every one of the thousand businesses in the city of San Francisco, but by and large, we have gotten compliance. As was stated by uh, Trent Rohr and stated by the mayor, we, are, we have had some challenges with social distancing. And let me be very clear, we said from the start, and we started at 12.01 a week ago, Monday night, Tuesday morning, with checking bars, checking restaurants, and advising the public 
to stay a safe social distance of six feet away, and we will continue to do that. We will try to exhaust every means necessary to spread the word on social distancing before we take enforcement action. We've said that from the start. We have not changed our strategy, and by and large, it's working. There are some people, however, that are very, very difficult to get to, people that don't have access to televisions and newspapers and cell phones and the things that many of us do, and we need to find strategies that works for different populations in our city, and we will continue to work with our city partners to do that. For those people, and I've heard a lot about when are you going to enforce, when are you going to enforce, when are you going to enforce. Voluntary compliance is our best way to sustain this effort. Enforcement is an option and is that last option, but we will do everything we can to ensure as much as we can to get voluntary compliance. And again, it's not just the San Francisco Police Department. The mayor has directed all city departments to play a part in this. So we're going to reach out to those communities that may not have heard what's going on, and we're going to reach out to the communities that may not have access to the information that many of us do, and we're going to reach out to the criminally involved or criminal justice involved community that sometimes get forgotten about, and we're going to give them an opportunity to voluntarily comply. If all else fails, enforcement is still an option. The, the health order is legally binding. It is a misdemeanor, but we don't want to make a problem into a bigger problem by not being thoughtful about the way we go about our enforcement efforts. I've talked to many other police chiefs around the country, and we're all pretty much doing the same thing. We're trying to get voluntary compliance because we believe that is the best way to go. Our officers are doing well. Um, we have not had any confirmed exposures in the San Francisco Police Department, thank goodness. But as Dr. Colfax has said, we're prepared if we do. We have good protocols. We've, walked, we've worked with our Department of Public Health. We work with our physician that works for the San Francisco Police Department to put together good sound protocols, common sense, hygiene, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, wipe down your equipment. Don't engage and put hands on when you don't have to. We've worked with the district attorney's office. We've worked with the other partners in the criminal justice system to make sure that we do this thoughtfully. And that is so important. We have to do this thoughtfully. This is not the time to panic. This is not a time for a knee-jerk reaction. This is not a time to do anything but be thoughtful and careful about how we proceed and protect the lives of the people in our city and our country. And thank you, Mayor Breed, again for your leadership. Thank you, and again, I appreciate everyone who's here today to provide us with updates. I also really want to express my appreciation to the press and your understanding for the need to do a virtual press conference, and also for focusing on getting uh, the information out, um, making sure uh, that we provide an accurate information to the public. I have said time and time again that what we want to do most in every step of this very challenging time in our city and our country is to make sure that what we say we're going to do, we can actually do it. What we say is happening is actually what's happening. There is nothing more important to us than making sure that we provide the public with accurate, up-to-date information and making it clear about what we can and cannot do. This is a very serious issue. 
And I know that it's been very challenging with people who have had to, uh, you know, change what we are normally used to. Even our direct interaction with people we're used to engaging with in person. It has been very challenging even in this week's time period, I know, for so many of you. But for the sake of public health, to make sure that we get through this with the least amount of impacts on people's lives, we have to comply. And this is the only reason why we are putting forth such strict requirements on the residents of this city and what we are preparing for. As Dr. Colfax said, uh, the fact that this is going to get worse, I mean, think about it. I declared a state of emergency on February 25th where we had no cases as of February 25th. And almost a month later, we are at 131 and climbing. So that hopefully will give you some indication of what is happening. I mean, look at what is happening all over the world in Italy and other places where they don't even have the capacity in their hospital system to take in people who need hospital care. I never want us to get to that place here in San Francisco. So for the sake of respect and love for your family, for your neighbors, uh, for the city, please comply with this order. And with that, I'd like to uh, open it up for any questions that any of the reporters uh, may have. Okay, we're gonna take, this is the public information officer, we're gonna take questions one at a time. You'll have an opportunity for one question and a follow-up. First question, Christian, KTVU. Okay. Christian, please, um, hey, uh, please turn the sound down yeah, on your feed. Yep, just did. Uh, wondering if we could uh, get some clarity from Dr. Colfax on uh, the timeline. How will we know if, in fact, the efforts that we're taking are working? And what are the projections? He said uh, within uh, a week or two weeks is when we expect to see that peak. So this, thank you for that question. I can't foretell the future. I can only look at the data, science, and facts, and we are analyzing the data as new cases come in to better determine if we are uh, flattening the curve um, with regard to what every community and nation is seeing, which is a surge in new infections. I can be confident that things are going to get worse before they get better. Uh, unfortunately, um, if, if, if I knew the specifics of the timeline you're asking for, I would certainly share them. What I can say is that we are working with the world's best experts at UCSF, at Berkeley, to better model the epidemic so we have a firm understanding of how to be as prepared as possible. Thank you. Christian, follow-up. Okay, hearing no follow-up. Uh, second question, Kathy, KCBS. Kathy, are you still on? Oh, hi. Yes, I'm here, sorry. Thank you for taking my question. Um, questions for Trent Rohr and also um, the, the mayor may want to comment. We heard from some of the supervisors today um, about the need for more hotel rooms than the 4,000 to 4,500 that Trent Rohr mentioned so that it takes in people beyond the groups um, that were discussed so that as many unsheltered people as possible can be isolated. Um, 
going forward, will you aim to expand uh, that criteria and take advantage of more of the hotel rooms that have been offered? Let me be clear. We need more of everything. We need more money for artists. We need more hotel rooms for the homeless. We need more hospital beds. We need more everything. That is why we are here at this emergency operations center preparing for what we need every single day. And that's why it's so important that we put out accurate information. Of course we need more. We need our federal government to do more. We need our state government to do more. More importantly, we need to stop talking about what we need more of and focus on actually doing what's necessary to keep people safe. That's why we're here. That's why we're trying to work together to get through this together. Uh, that's why we are working with other hotels and reaching out for those who have not even bid on uh, the RFP that we put out for more hotel rooms. And, and let's be clear, let's talk about what this actually means. The fact is, we're talking about over 8,000 hotel rooms. We're talking about uh, employees for the hotels that are union employees and making sure that we're working with those hotels, making sure we're dealing with insurance issues, making sure that we have uh, people who are security guards on every floor to make sure that people actually stay in their rooms, making sure we're providing food, uh, laundry, and all the necessary things in order to help the people that we are there to serve. I want to be very clear that we are only going to communicate exactly what we are able to deliver on. And I think that is important to acknowledge for whatever, whether it's hospital beds, whether it's hotel rooms, whatever it is that we need, we need to make sure that we can deliver on the promise that we are making to the people of this city. And so at, this is what I'm focused on and not on the criticism or the suggestions of what more we need. We know everybody in this room, everybody in this city know we need more. And that's exactly what we're preparing for. Trent Rohr, Human Services Agency. The approach we're taking for quarantine housing is guided by direction from the Department of Public Health Dr. Colfax and his team of infectious disease experts, as well as from the CDC. The priorities, as I listed earlier, are for individuals who need to quarantine and cannot because of their housing situation. This is, again, individuals in SRO hotels, individuals in our homeless shelters, and most importantly, and the first priority, individuals who are currently in our hospitals and do not need to be there, but need to be quarantined. Those are the three priorities. The fourth, of course, our first responders. We have to have uh, hotel rooms for them to either quarantine or for them to stay in order to continue to be able to serve the people of the city and county of San Francisco, and most importantly, people affected directly by the COVID virus. With respect to homeless individuals on the street, the, the guidance from the Centers for Disease Control was very clear that the approach that cities and counties should be taking are to allow individuals and keep individuals on the streets, do not bring encampments inside where they can uh, infect others or increase the risk of infection. Rather, the guidance is very clear, we should be dispatching teams to ensure proper social distancing in our encampments, ensure that proper hygiene is adhered to. If we need to bring hygiene stations out to our streets, we will do that. They talk about tents and, and enforcing quarantine in tents on the streets. Should we need to do that, we will. We have Jeff Kaczynski, uh, who is leading our operations on the street to ensure that the CDC protocols are followed. Again, the CDC protocols do not 
state that individuals from the street should be brought indoors. And we are guided by experts in the field, health experts, the federal government, the state government, as well as our local leaders. Kathy, KCBS follow-up. Okay, let's move on. Trisha, San Francisco Chronicle, you're next. Hey, um, so two patient care staff at Laguna Honda have tested positive for COVID-19 per SFGH spokesperson Brent Andrews. Both worked in the same unit. Um, apparently investigations are proceeding. Um, but my questions are, when exactly were they tested? How many patients have they come in contact with before they were uh, confirmed positive? And how many more staff members at Laguna Honda um, are being tested for COVID? So I'm not at liberty to, um, to provide the specific testing date. I wanna ensure that everybody understands that uh, our primary focus is protecting the health of the healthcare workers, including those who were recently diagnosed and the patients. Uh, Laguna Honda has vast experience in working with infection control measures. We have the best people in the field deployed there. We did before this outbreak. We will have it ongoing. Um, the unit where those healthcare workers worked is on quarantine. Um, workers um, are getting the best protective equipment they need to continue to do their work. And of course, we are making sure that all patients uh, are being monitored uh, on an hourly basis for any symptoms uh, that would warrant their being tested. But uh, the, the Laguna Honda situation is being uh, treated very seriously by the department. It's a priority right now. Um, and we're using the, the best science uh, with regard to hygiene, um, with regard to infection control, with regard to pr personal protective equipment to ensure um, that we're doing everything we can to protect uh, the workers and the residents of Laguna Honda. Yep, um, so to our, our more um, healthcare workers being tested at Laguna Hospital or any other DPH facility? So with regard to our testing, um, we are prioritizing people who need testing based on their symptoms. Healthcare workers uh, receive testing uh, based on high-risk exposures. Um, so those, those procedures will continue to be followed at Laguna Honda as well as healthcare facilities across the city. Okay, next question goes to Kristen, KGO7. Uh, hi, this is Kristen Zee with ABC7 News. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, this can be for Chief Scott or the mayor. Um, but I want to ask about crime prevention and safety during the shelter in place. Uh, can you give us some data on any increase or decrease on these three things? One, violent crime. Two, property crimes, because we're hearing about looting and break-ins. And three, hate crimes, such as those racially motivated attacks on Asian Americans. Thank you. Thank you. So on violent crime, we are below where we were. And this is for the month of March compared to the month of March in 2019. Violent crimes were actually nine crimes below. And mind you, we were, we were on a little bit of an upward trend prior to this public health order. Um, now we're on a significant downward trend. Property crimes, we are down uh, 400 crimes from same period last year, and we're talking about March 1st to March 23rd. Uh, total crimes were down 409 crimes, total part one crimes uh, from where we were this time last year. We've seen a 20 to 25% reduction in calls for service, according to our uh, Department of Emergency Management statistics. 
And as far as hate crimes, I'm hearing, I've heard of, uh, from the community, but we don't have any documented hate crimes as far as reported crimes regarding, regarding COVID. I'm sorry, could you kindly repeat? I didn't hear the last hate crime part. We, don't, we do not have any documented hate crimes regarding COVID, but I have heard rumors in the community that that might be the case, but none have been reported to the police department. So I would ask that we please spread the word, if you all can help with that, that if those types of crimes are happening, we really need people to report them so we can investigate them thoroughly. And if, uh, if they are in fact happening, we need to bring people to justice on that. Okay, thank you. I do have one quick follow-up, and that yeah. is um, the overall crime totals being down, that is great. Even for property crime, that is great. Um, but we are seeing anecdotal videos on YouTube of looting, um, you know, and also businesses being closed that invites um, looting and break-ins. So what are you doing um, to deter such actions? Yeah, for, first of all, we, we have not had any looting incidents in our city, uh, as what looting normally is defined. People running through the streets, breaking, in, breaking into businesses and taking their property. We have not had that. We have had regular burglaries uh, like we've always had. But what we're doing, we have basically put all officers in the San Francisco Police Department in uniform. That includes our administrative uh, sworn members that normally wear uh, business attire. That includes our investigators who normally wear business attire. Those officers that work those assignments have been rotated into patrol to supplement patrol forces. We have extra squads of officers at most of our district stations. We've stepped up extra squads of officers in the Civic Center Union Square area. And this is a direct result of making sure that we are out and visible to prevent the very things that you talked about. If, in fact, the public is seeing those things, please report it. But as of now, we have no reports of looting at all in this city. Thank you. Okay, Thank you. next question goes to Kate, KQED. Kate, KQED, are you on the line? Okay, then moving on, Jamie, Associated Press. Hi. Go ahead, Jamie. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Uh, for, for Trent, um, if you could provide as much detail as you can on, um, and thank you for the numbers that you gave today, on the hotel rooms and the rooms that you've got available of which you. Jamie, you cut out there, say again. Can you give us an idea of how many people will be moved from the shelters, the traditional shelters to this Moscone North? Um, yeah, Jay, Jamie, you're when, cutting in and out. Uh, can you move to a, a better location? And I'm going to move on to the next person. Uh, Jackson, right. NBC, Bay Area. Yeah, as a follow-up, can you tell us, uh, we have reports that some 30 patients have been relocated from the facility at Laguna Honda uh, it is as a result of the diagnoses or the test positives. Can you confirm that? So that information is not correct, let me be clear. Um, there are between 20 and 30 patients at Laguna Honda um, who are well enough to, to, to leave the hospital, to, to, to get care outside of the hospital, and those patients have um, been uh, one of the population, one of the groups 
uh, prioritized uh, for these hotel rooms. But uh, at this time, uh, to our knowledge, none of them are, are people under investigation or are confirmed COVID-19 positive. Thank you. Jackson, follow-up? Yeah, I just, right, so my understanding, you say 20 to 30 people have voluntarily relocated or gone to some shelter situation. They're not, they were, were they asked to leave or did they just leave on their own? So people have not left yet. This is part of our work to ensure that uh, we are able to uh, decompress our hospital system and that people who are physically and mentally uh, able to be supported outside of a more intensive hospital setting uh, would be offered uh, uh, hotel rooms um, as part of our effort to decompress the hospital system. And again, at this time, none of those people are um, people under investigation for COVID-19 or diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, this is not something that has happened. This is a process. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna move on. Uh, see if Jamie Associated Press has come back. No, can you hear now? Uh, you're cutting in and out, Jamie. Let's, let's try your best <laughs> Forget here. it. Right. Well, I mean, can you give us some more details of how many people might be at Moscone North and by when we might see the bulk of homeless people in hotel rooms? Trent Rohr, Human Services Agency. Um, Again, uh, for the third time, I'll stress the priorities for the quarantine rooms for the city. That is individuals in SRO hotels who need to self-quarantine but who can't. Individuals who are in our hospitals who need to self-quarantine and cannot be released because of their homeless status. We need to get them out of our hospitals as soon as we can in order to help them take care of those who need to be hospitalized and the individuals in our homeless shelters, we are reducing the census in our homeless shelters to create the six feet of social distancing between each resident of our shelters, and they will be moved either into Moscone North or into the second shelter that we um, uh, put, put forth. Okay, and um, AP, did you have a follow-up? No. Okay, I wanna try one last time for Kate, KQED. Okay, KQED, okay. That is our last question of the day. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to a special edition of Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. This included the press conference of Mayor London Breed on March 23rd, 2020. You can find more about the ongoing pandemic crisis by visiting our website, sfpublicpress.com. Dot .org Thanks for listening.